Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky with you on a Friday. Buck, what's going on, man? No, man, great Friday. A lot of fun. Got a great football weekend ahead, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, uh, we have got uh, not only some NFL football, but we have got the college football playoff right around the corner. Uh, we'll get to those games and what we're looking forward to there uh, in a little bit, as well as Bucky's coach's corner. But uh, starting this thing off, I'm I'm kind of working my th- way through guys. Uh, one of the you know maybe maybe it was a couple weeks ago we talked a little bit about the offensive line class and how it looks like it could be a really mm-hmm. good tackle class in this draft. Um, man, I got to tell you, the headliner, you know, the quarterback's going to grab all the attention. But this receiver group, um, when I give you a number, uh, Buck, I've already done, I've probably watched 20 of them so far. Mm-hmm. I've got 10 guys I gave top 50 type grades to, like first, second round guys. Like it is loaded. And I guess it shouldn't be a surprise with what we the college game's been giving us, but it is another great year of wideouts, man. Yeah, great year of wideouts. So what that means, a couple of things. It, it, it means that we've talked about it in years past about this being kind of the, the the golden age of seven on seven and how it impacts the draft. And so a lot of times we relate that to quarterbacks, but what it's really done is it has created, uh, I would say a community of wide receivers and pass catchers that are more ready to play than they've ever been. They've wrapped it out in terms of running routes, catching passes. They've been doing it since they were seven or eight years old. It's different than the previous year. So what you're getting in theory is a more polished product. The difference they're polished in terms of kind of playing and understanding, touching the ball and those things. They're not as polished in terms of route running, depending on what kind of college system they're coming from. But it gives you an opportunity to get some athletes that are ready to play when you bring them in the building, provided you have a clear understanding of how to get them ready to play the pro style. Yeah, it, it's... Uh... It, it stands out when you see guys that have some route polish that are asked to, to run different things. And we'll go through some of these names here mm-hmm. in a minute. But um, there's some guys you watch them, and I'm like, man, I've watched every target. Like, I've never seen him hit the brakes. I've never seen him have to work back to the, the quarterback. Move. I've never seen On a comeback. Move. I've never seen a curl. It's just speed outs. 
go takeoffs and slants like it, you know so it's hard to it's hard to see that um but I, I will say at the very top of this draft you know Marvin Harrison Jr has been the name that everybody's mm-hmm. known about forever obviously with his uh with his famous father but the the production he's had at Ohio State the attention that he's uh got he's got outstanding hands body control um he's just really really polished I I don't you know I gave him a huge grade. I mean, like I gave him mm-hmm. a monster grade. My comparison was was Fitz, was Larry Fitzgerald, is somebody who's you know the top, mm-hmm. the measurables you have from the school uh, from Scout to win. They're six oh three two, two hundred eight pounds. That's a big dude. Obviously, a different body type than his dad, uh, but mm-hmm. real real fluid. I don't think he has quite that. Like when you watch Garrett Wilson, same school, you mm-hmm. saw a pop and a snap, like getting out of the breaks and it, stuff like that. Yep. He doesn't have quite that same just snap to him. But he's so fluid and so big and so acrobatic and so athletic. You know, it's he's his own he's his own dude there. But what a he's a great player, man. Yeah, great player. And I'll give you a little uh, behind the scenes info on Marvin Harrison Jr. Had an opportunity to work with him. Obviously, when I was doing all that stuff with Nike, the camps yeah. and the opening, he came through. And what was fascinating was to learn that you would think that someone who has a Hall of Fame wide receiver mm-hmm. at, at his house that he would lean heavily on Marvin Harrison Sr. for a lot of his stuff. But Kevin Johnson the old quarterback at Syracuse who made the transition to wide receiver, played for the Cleveland Browns for a bunch of years. He has been the guy that has really worked with him on the field in terms of route running and those things. Kevin has a facility in Jersey, I think it's called 85, where he has done that. And so like Marvin Harrison Jr. has has not only gotten great coaching every day on the couch from his dad, but he has a a family friend and trainer that has also helped him uh, go up to speed. And then when you think about Ohio State and what Brian Hartline has done with so many of those young receivers and how polished they've been and how impactful they've been right away, he is one of the safest bets at wide receiver that you're going to find because the pedigree, not only his personal uh, pedigree, but the pedigree in terms of that program at Ohio State, he should be ready to go. And he's a very mature playmaker which makes it really really easy to put a big grade on him because you believe that he is going to be uh everything that he's been to this point yeah and it you know smart and polished those are traits that have that have uh, translated very well to the next level and he has that and i'll tell you another guy who has it is adunze from uh from washington Mm -hmm. i tweet out the other day that he's my favorite like he's my favorite of all these guys Mm -hmm. that i've studied um you know i'm kind of going through my notes he plays inside he plays outside he's crisp he's got unbelievable extension and catch radius um he high points the ball he's quick at the top i think he's better getting in and out uh than than marvin is in terms of just he's got a little Mm -hmm. more snap to him getting in and out of breaks um he's physical through the route um he plays with just like a bounce and an energy, you know, which is kind of, you know, you know it when you see it, but he's just got a good energy, a good bounce about him. Um, big time adjustments, tracks the ball easy. After the catch, he can make you miss, and he's not afraid to uh, to get dirty either. Uh, also does a good job on the run game. Ultra, ultra competitive, and from the background stuff I got on him, similar to Marvin in that incredibly intelligent, knows all the positions, um, you know, he's not a run out of bounds guy, which again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the be all end all, but just shows you a little bit about the fight and competitiveness that he has. Okay. So friend of the show, we'll loosely call him a friend of the show, but Chris Peterson has been on the show yeah. a couple of different times and everything that he's told us about, like the recruiting process and OKGs, our kind of guys, yeah. uh, like he sounds like he checks off all those boxes, right? He checks mm-hmm. off all those boxes. You talk about highly intelligent being able to take a lot of information, being able to play multiple positions, 
uh, then having the toughness and the work ethic and all that stuff that you want. Um, the comparison should be made and has been made to a little bit of like Jamar Chase. Because you remember Jamar Chase was kind of like a, not necessarily a polished route runner or whatever, but he is what I would call a playmaker. Yeah. Get him the ball and let him go to work. I see him in a similar light. He just, man, physical, runs through contact, difficult to bring down. And then when you talk about the capacity to play multiple spots, DJ, man, it's, there's just so much value in having someone who is smart and can align anywhere on the field and is very comfortable doing it. That is something, there's something to that, to me, that's a separating factor from others. Uh, we have a mutual friend, Chad Alexander, uh, whose dad was Hubbard yeah, Alexander. Yeah, yeah. And uh, who coached uh, Mike and coached Irv and all those guys with the Cowboys for all those years as a legendary receiver coach. Uh, but Chad used to always say in meetings, in draft meetings, he would talk about guys that could work in the blood area, which was a fascinating way of saying guys that can work in traffic, take and absorb hits, and still catch the ball. This dude is awesome in the blood area. He absorbs contact, and he has got strong hands, man. Uh, he can finish through contact, which is another nice trait to have. Again, the ability to use him inside and outside. I gave him... Uh, I gave him the exact same grade I gave Marvin Harrison. And we talk about guys that are going to travel together through the process. For me, they're going to travel together. We'll see how they separate. You know, you get more information, see them live, see them move around, all those things. Um, we'll see how they separate. But that tells you how how highly I think of this kid. I mean, he's a really good player. Um, he, 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 does, he does a really good job. And we always talk about styles, you know, and, and what is it that your team is lacking? What do you already have in place? Uh, that conversation could drive a lot of who becomes wide receiver one. And I know people always kind of tend to think, yeah, but man, you guys are like high taking it. We're not high taking on Marvin Harrison no, Jr. No. Just because that has been the name that has been talked about, you have to remember for a lot of scouts, they're just now getting around these guys, particularly at the top level. They're just now beginning to see and be like, oh, okay, I can see this guy and that guy. Let's put them together. And then as we get closer to the combine and as we're doing more work, now let's separate them. So it's not, quote unquote, unanimous that Marvin mm -hmm. Harrison Jr. is going to be wide receiver one. Let's continue to get down the process and see fit and who's available at the top of the board and which teams are picking at the top, because that could determine who ends up being uh, wide receiver one. So in that next in that next little tier below that, from where we are right now, uh, Malik Neighbors uh, from LSU, mm. who wrote, I wrote down DJ Moore when I watched him, like he is. Mm freaking explosive uh, he's an interesting guy because there's a lot of body catches but not a lot of drops and then he does show the ability balls above his head he can pluck it he can catch it but he he likes to he likes to rely on his body a little bit more than i would prefer but he doesn't drop the ball um so kind of interesting how you put that all together but he's he's again strong strong through contact with the ball in his hands he has a third gear when the ball goes up in the air like he can really track it and go get it uh, but it's big time, big time yak. Um, he can run away from you. He is uh, he's special with the ball in his hands and has produced a bunch of big plays. So you know, a six foot, two hundred pound guy. Just he kind of reminded me of of DJ Moore. DJ Moore, physical, strong, tough, and really good with the ball in his hands. That's what I saw here with Malik Neighbors. Okay, it's funny, and I and I'm gonna try and not. Um, I'm trying to make you feel better about him being a body catcher. Yeah, and the reason why I will say this, like a lot of people want, in theory, the guy that is always the plucker, the one that mm -hmm. always catches it away from his body and those things. One thing that I want to investigate is when we get to the combine, how big are his hands? Yeah. Sometimes when you don't have big hands, that prevents you from being able to be a snatcher, you know? 
my hands are right at nine, a little over nine. So it wasn't very natural for me to always catch everything in the hands. Mm -hmm. Secondly, Michael Irvin has talked about this, but it's one of the things that I've learned. Michael Irvin talked about the benefits of body catching sometimes in traffic. Depending on if you're catching a bunch of in-breaking routes, slants, and those things, and where the defenders mm -hmm. are in proximity, you want to be a good body catcher so you don't extend and kind of leave yourself vulnerable to big hits and big shots. So as we get down the line and looking at neighbors, just want to investigate, is this a, a thing that he can't catch with his hands or does he have a preference for catching with his body and can he articulate why he's a body catcher? Because mm -hmm. if he can articulate it, then I can be like, oh, okay, I can understand why those things is. But after the catch, DJ, he, he's that stuff. We've talked about, um, like in, in recent shows, we talked about the wide receivers that are hitting are the ones that have contact balance, the ones mm -hmm. that can run through uh, arm tackles. And Play strength, kind of, yeah. Yeah, kind of take some of those those hits at the point of attack and continue to move the ball down the field. We have said that toughness is a common denominator for a lot of success that we're seeing with running backs and wide receivers because you got to be tough enough to deal with some of that physicality. Uh, he has that. And the other thing that we know, LSU has a great tradition of producing wide receivers. We also know that he's been coached hard because he's been under the watch for our Brian Kelly. No doubt. Um, as all great points, Buck. The other one that I have on that level with him, uh, again, different body type, different type of player, but Keon Coleman, uh, Florida State, big grade on him. Highlight reels. Like if you want to go catch mm -hmm. for catch, highlight reel catches, he'd be the best. He's got unbelievable highlight reel uh, catches when you watch him. He's fluid. Um, again, I'm talking one-handers, adjustments, like big-time, big-time hands and, and plays down the field. Um, but just he's real loose. I don't know how explosive he is. Like I didn't get that. I didn't feel him like that in terms of the mm -hmm. juice and the explosiveness. But smooth, fluid for a big guy. He's a tackle breaker after the catch. Um, he's got some nuance to him as, as a route runner, which is a word that I've used a lot more over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it come through our conversations like, we talk about craftsmen. Well, what is a craftsman? A craftsman I mean, it's not it's not cookie cutter. Like he's got a little flow to him, a little feel to him, a little nuance to him, setting guys up, snapping guys off. Um, again, curious to see just how much pure juice he has. But he's one of those guys when he's covered, he's still open because he's got unbelievable hands. Man, he can get huge catch rates. He can go, he can go get it. Yeah, that's the extra stuff. So DJ, all those things with Keon Coleman, watching him at Florida State, watching him dominate. Uh, I love the edginess and the dog competitor. That he is, man. The bigger the game, uh, the more he's willing to step it up, and he kind of takes it over at times. I like the the nuance, as you say, like the route running, being able for us, being able to talk to Mike Norvell. We know that Mike Norvell, great offensive mind, coming like his pedigree and what he's come from. So you know that he's well prepped. Also knowing a little bit about the inside of, of Florida State and their program and how they move guys around to create playmaking opportunities for him. So he certainly has an aptitude to be able to understand how to kind of play multiple spots within the formation to make plays. But then the part that you said, the acrobatic catches that he makes. DJ, that's the extra stuff. That's kind of like the, the cherry on top of the Sunday because you like your number one guys to be able to, hey, man, I'm going to throw it up. Just make me right. And his ability to be able to do that uh, is, is one that's going to encourage franchise quarterbacks to put the ball up in, in his area, particularly in these money situations. Good players. And so there you have it. You name what? One, two, three, four. Four guys. Yeah, those are four, kind of that top tier for me of the guys that I've done. Yeah. Four guys at the top of the board that have big-time ability that are all pretty polished in how they do it. And it's going to come down to, once again, the ice cream shop. 
-hmm. What is it that we're lacking at the wide receiver position? Because for a team that doesn't have a wide receiver, like an established receiver, well, it may be Marvin Harrison Jr.'s game. But mm. for one who, hey, we got a number one, but he's not fast. I need something around him that complements him or maybe one of the other guys. And so it's, it's the conversation that will be an interesting one as we get closer to the combine and even closer to the draft. Yeah, no, it, there's some fun ones, man. Um, again, I've seen a ton of these guys. And as we get closer to the draft, um, we'll see even more. and We'll talk about all of them. But just want to give you a little snippet, a little taste there of, uh, of what this wide receiver position looks like uh, heading into the 2024 NFL draft. All right, Buck. Let's take a uh, let's take a quick break. We come back. We are going to uh, we're going to talk about this college football playoff. Who do we like there? And then we're going to get to your Bucky's coaches corner right after this. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky, they're saying cows are busted, can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. day. <laughs> now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. All right, Buck. Uh, playoff. I, I've I, I keep vacillating uh, back and forth. By the way, of, of who I think is going to win these games, and even like who people ask me, like, forget who do you think will win? Who do you want to win these games? And I'm like, man, I, I, mm. there's reasons to want to watch all four of them continue on and play. Um, so it, it sounds it's probably not great for the podcast, but like I don't have a strong feeling in these games of like, well, this one, you know, this team's winning. I think they're going to be great games. Yeah, I think they'd be great games. And I, I would say, like, like putting aside the, the media 
member in me, the the coach, the football fan. I love all four of the teams for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I love the matchup between Alabama and Michigan because two of my favorite coaches, both of these guys want physical, hard-nosed, edgy teams. And so we're going to see those teams battle out. I believe it's the best job that Nick Saban has done, taking a team and helping them grow over the course of the season. I think that growth manifests itself, obviously, in the SEC championship. And I think a lot of people have kind of fallen in love with the story. That said, I think people need to be careful about overlooking Michigan in this one because Alabama Mm -hmm. has kind of become the Cinderella story. This is a team that has been dominant throughout the course of the season. They've been dominant without their coach. They're available for maybe, what, seven of the games? But yet they didn't skip a beat. To me, that speaks to their maturity, their competitive stamina to be able to kind of get it done in all environments. And I also know that this is a team that's going to carry a chip into the Rose Bowl based on how they didn't perform last year against TCU. Might have taken it for granted against TCU. I think that makes them a better team that shows up in the Rose Bowl. To me, I think it's a very even Steven matchup. It's going to come down to the name, things that normal it normally does. Turnovers, penalties, big plays allowed, and quarterback play. Who plays better between Jalen Milrow and J.J. McCarthy? Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think that you nailed it. I, I think that whoever gets the better ball game out of their quarterback is going to win the game. I think they're very, very evenly matched. I think neither one of these teams is going to get bullied. Um, Alabama is big and physical. Michigan hasn't seen that uh, type of group yet. So that's a little bit of the unknown there. I just... I. I think Michigan's defensive front is going to be okay. I don't think they're going to get the ball jammed down their throat. So I think it's a close game. I think it comes down to the end. Uh, it's a coin toss game. The, the other one I maybe have a little stronger opinion on, uh, I think Texas' defense is really good. Um, I think mm-hmm. Sark is an excellent game planner. I think he's an excellent play caller. He's got a lot of time to kind of dial in here. But when I look at it, I don't. They, they've seen the best offense, I would say, overall passing offense that they've seen in terms of competent quarterback and some weapons is Oklahoma and Texas lost. And Washington, to me, is on another level. Quarterback-wise, they're mm-hmm. on another level. Receiver-wise, than, than what Oklahoma was. I think Washington's going to score points on Texas. I, I think they're going to put up... A, those receivers, it's not mm-hmm. just a, a Dunze. They, they've got two other really legit NFL guys. And now... Texas has a solid quarterback, and they've got a couple big-time receivers as well. I've got a chance to study those guys on Worthy and Adonai Mitchell. I think Washington's secondary has seen Oregon. They've seen this before. Oregon's got dudes uh, on the outside. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think that Texas has seen an offense like the one they're getting ready to play here. Yeah, what's interesting is, DJ, this is a rematch from the bowl season a, a, a year ago. Uh, these teams squared off in the Alamo Bowl. Uh Texas came up on the short end of it. It was 27-20 UW. What's interesting, and just kind of going back, Quinn Ewers had 369 yards uh, last year in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Penix had 200 and, and like 250-260, and he kind of threw it around the yard and those things. So the thing about it is these teams have matched up and they've seen each other. So that familiarity is going to be different. Even though it's a year ago, you got different players. There's not going to be like that, that that fear factor in terms of that. And because both quarterbacks played in both games, the coaches actually had an opportunity to kind of get a feel for like what they like, how they reacted, how they responded to those things. Both players obviously have made significant improvement over the course of the year, but man, it's a chess match. And so this game to me is a fourth quarter affair, um, the hot quarterback being able to get it done. And 
this Washington team, because I know everybody, I was one included, was like, man, Oregon's going to knock them out. Like, Oregon's a better team, right? I know. And they absolutely early. More physical, man. Throttled. Well, their physical. offensive line is really good. Washington's offensive line is really good, man. Physical team, and they got some nastiness to them. So I just kind of lean, I lean towards Washington without saying that, hey, Texas is soft or anything. I just have yeah, a, yeah. that just that feeling when I look at these teams, man, there's some edginess to, to UW that leads me to believe that they'll win a close one. Yeah, so if we have to pick a winner, I will say I think we get Washington-Alabama in, uh, in the championship game is what I'll go with. Okay, so I'm going to go a little differently. I'm going to go with Michigan because I think Michigan beats Alabama. Let's go Michigan. And I just talked about Washington, so Michigan-Washington. There you go. Uh, so the, all that means is Washington's not going to win because we both no. picked Washington. That's all Yeah, that so te Texas will blow them out. And then we'll Congrats be like, hey, to Texas on that. Yeah. Congrats to them on their win. <laughs> yeah, he'll stand up on the podium and say, no one believed in us. Who uh, the sticks didn't funny. believe in us? Okay, uh, that's hilarious. All right, son, I like you. I got uh, uh, no, I do too. Um, all right, Bucky's Coach's Corner, what's our word this week? What's our phrase? Uh, servant leadership, and I think it comes at, 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 at a perfect time. We've seen some things that have happened over the course of the week where you worry about uh, coaches and leading and those things, but servant leadership from, like, coach to players, from player to players. Like, can you put other people's interests above yourself? Can you sacrifice some of your own desires to make – others better to put others in a position to succeed and then you benefit on the back end a lot of what the best teams do is they care so much about one another that they're willing to sacrifice to make sure that their teammates are better and in turn everybody benefits from that it is something that's always talked about but i think few people are able to do it i would say from the goodness of their heart some mm -hmm. people will say oh i'm a servant leader but then they want things in return true servant leadership is making sure that I'm doing these things because I really want this guy to have the best opportunities to succeed. And if everyone takes on that, you always get it on the thing, but it's not with selfish intentions. It's really done to make sure that the people that you around, around you have an opportunity to really succeed and succeed at a high level. Yeah. I, I love, uh, you know, trying to navigate around the proper questions to ask players when they're coming into the draft. Now, we love the one where we talked about the H's, right? The highlight, the mm -hmm. hardship, the hero. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, I, I love this other one, too, though, of give me examples of how you've made somebody else better. So, you know, all these guys are going to get asked, like, how did you get, how did you improve? Show me your work ethic. You know, how, how passionate are you about the game? Well, how, how about, tell me how you made a teammate better. What have you done to help a teammate get better? I think that's an interesting way to get to whether or not you have kind of that servant leadership trait. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a great way to do it. And DJ, this is the, the time of year where we have these one-on-one -on -one interviews with players where when we were scouts, you're really trying to get to know the player. Um, but DJ, a lot of it can be seen on the field. Uh, a week ago or whatever, we saw the incident with uh, George Pickens and not blocking. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a level of servant leadership. If you go out on the perimeter and block, I'm blocking because I want to see my teammate have an opportunity to maximize the play, to maybe score a touchdown. I'm doing it knowing that I can put myself in harm's way, but I'm willing to do it because this is what I want to do for him. So to me, that's what is, that's everything when it comes to it. I'm glad you mentioned that because I want to tell you about, and this is hopefully I don't get in trouble with him, but because um, it's a conversation we had off the air before the, the pregame uh, last week. Uh, James Lofton was doing the national call, so we get a chance to mm -hmm. have him on our the pregame show. And then we sat and visited with, for a while, and I asked him, you know, think about James Lofton. Everybody knows he's a Hall of Fame receiver. James Lofton also also a receivers coach 
for for quite some time in this league, including you know with there with the Chargers. So I said, James, what would you do to, if George Pickens was in your room? He goes, Oh, I know exactly what I'd do. I said, What do you mean? He said, All the receivers would get in the meeting for the room, and I'd say, Hold on, we'll be back in just a minute. I go, George, and I take George, and I walk down the hallway, and I'd open up the running back room, and I'd say. All right, guys, George is going to explain to you why he doesn't think you're worth blocking for. Go ahead, George. I was like, whoo. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, and I'm sitting here thinking, that's genius. Well, first of all, what are you going to say to James Lofton? He's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. So if he was, he was okay to do that, but you're not. All of a sudden, you've accomplished so much now that you don't need to do that. And face the guys that you're not doing this for. Face, tell, just tell them, I don't think you're worth my time. I don't think you're worth my effort. You're not worth the risk. Like that that was a genius way of how to handle that situation. No, it, it, look, it, look, it was a situation they caught a lot of things. Uh, look, he caught a lot of flag for it and two things to be done at once because I uh, later listened to Bill Cowher talk about it on the McAfee show. And he talked about, mm-hmm. you know, culture and environment and creating those things. And so DJ, the coach and me wrestled with that situation like, well, what would you do with George Pickens in that? Like, what would be the thing that you would do? Because I heard Mike Tomlin talk about, like, the talent. Oh, I'm not going to sit him down. But then, and look, it, it, it worked out for the Steelers short term. He had a huge game. He had a huge yeah. game. But then I'm like, well, is that the lesson that you, that you really want? Do you, do you sit him down? At some point, you got to have some consequence. Not saying that you got to cut him. But I'm saying, like, there has to be something we has to understand. Hey, man, everybody works together. We got to do this. And it worked out. I want to continue to see what it looks like going forward. But what James Lofton did, that's a real interesting thing. Because Ooh. who you're answering to, yeah, you're really answering to your teammates. Yeah. No, I, I, it was, again, I think it, it's your, you know, it's, it's your uh, term for the week, but servant leadership. I think that's a great example in real life of what that looks like. Yeah. I mean, look, you have, you have to serve. And, you know, like, those who believe have a deeper meaning. But you just talk about, like, uh, it's as simple as like washing somebody's feet, like just being mm-hmm. able to serve and sacrifice and just being able to do that. If you're willing to do that, it, it just opens up so much for, 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 for others. If you're willing to humble yourself enough to just make the ultimate sacrifice for your teammates, because then you create an environment where everybody's willing to make that sacrifice. And when everybody makes that sacrifice, that's when you experience the highest levels of success. And you know, who's the happiest in that scenario? The guy who, who did the giving, you know? It's like the old saying, right? With Christmas, right? It's better to give than to receive. I mean, like it's yeah. obviously we go into biblical world. We can go down that road, washing feet and all that. But like literally it is. You're going to feel better about yourself when you do something nice for somebody else. When you serve somebody else, you're going to end up feeling better yourself. You're going to win. And it's, a, it's the authenticity. And we've seen like the best teams are really connected beyond just, hey, what can I do for myself? Like they're really happy and excited to see their teammates score. They're the first ones to run down and celebrate with those guys. Um, that's, that's what it is. It's about like giving up and kind of leaving the game in a better place. And the only way you can do that is to give up yourself for others so they can take where you've gone and go even farther. And so servant leadership plays a part in that. If you're going to win, if you want to win and you want to win at the highest level, you want to have a lot of success uh, in whatever in the endeavor is as a group, you got to serve others, serve others before you serve yourself. And then the team will ultimately benefit. No doubt. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us this week. It's been a fun, uh, fun week here. Uh, hope you guys uh, continue to have a wonderful uh, holiday season as we march towards the new year. Uh, great weekend. Be safe, and uh, and we'll see you back here next week on Movement Sticks.
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.